Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me are my co-hosts, Kendall Whitley and Jerry Martinez. How are you guys doing? Doing real good, man. I hope everybody else is doing good. Yeah. Uh, super excited. It's your house GM. Let's get started, man. All right. And then later on the show, we are going to have Alex Green, former NFL and CFL running back, join us on the show. All right, let's talk about some NFL headlines. We'll start off in Dallas with uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. So it's rumored that they had offered Dak Prescott a five-year contract worth an estimated $175 million. What are you guys' thoughts? Man, yes, man. This, this Dak Prescott deal is hovering over the Dallas Cowboys franchise as a whole, man. But like I said, Prescott, he's not getting, he's not getting no leverage out of it, and the Joneses, they're not, they're not letting off no leverage. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do, who's who's going to bite, who's who's going to come first, come to the table first. But right now, both sides are standing still. So I mean, we they're both both sides are in the standstill right now. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it from what I've been, my research, it just comes down to Cowboys want the five years, Dak wants the four years. Obviously, you know, after the Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, they're gonna they're gonna reset the whole market. So I think it's just one of those things where Dak doesn't want to miss out on that opportunity because right now the market's at 37 so you know if the deal does get done expect that annual to be 35 to 37 for Dak so when he starts hearing about Mahomes getting 40 you know 45 and 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 Deshaun Watson getting 40 40 million also it's just one of those things where he doesn't want to miss out on that so it just comes down to the the years when it comes down to it also, too, Jamal Adams is said to want a trade if his contract extension demands are not met. Jets have came out and said they are not planning to trading him. What are you guys' thoughts? Oh, man, they add Jamal Adams to that Dallas Cowboys secondary, man. Oh, man, all the stars they got there. The Jets, I mean, they came out They kind of came out and said they wanted trade. Then they came out and said, no, nah, they want Adams to be their franchise guy. We know what the Joneses are thinking. They, they, want, they want any splash move they can get. So I mean, I, it's gonna be very interesting. I think I think this deal gonna get done between now and training camp. I can definitely see it. It's starting to heat up now. Yeah, I I, I think when you look, actually do some research on the Jets want a first and a third, if they do do it, but then they're saying they don't want to do it. So you know, would you give up a first and a third? I think the Cowboys are in a great position because next year they're gonna get a third round pick, uh, comp pick. So it basically be giving up their first round pick to bring in a, a known safety that can do it all, right? He can – I mean, he's a very versatile safety. He can, he can rush, he can tackle, and he can come away with the ball. So I think that he would be that last piece that that defense would really need to make the make the transition, right, and make the, make the transition to the new defense. I think that he would be the missing piece that they need. So I think that it could, could it happen? Let's wait and see. A lot of dominoes have to fall in place. Uh, number one – Dak has to be resigned because because of the cap space, and number two, uh, a new contract for him, and then of course, the Jets willing to to part ways with him. Yes, and then also another news: the Seattle Seahawks came to agreements uh, on a contract with Carlos Hyde. Uh, the Jets also signed Jill Flacco, and the Lions are working on a contract ex- extension for Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Flacco is good, good depth, you know, for Sam Darnold. 
you know, is a former Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Carlos Hyde, I think that was more of a precautionary because I think Richard Penny's not going to be ready for Week One. And uh, Kenny Galladay, I mean, he he deserves that. He deserves a, a contract. He's 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 played like a superstar, and and I mean, he he just he's just that one of Matthew Stafford's uh, favorite targets to to get the ball to. Very underrated wide receiver too. And they've got a good running back in Green, and he has a first down. He's loose, and he's gone. Forget about it. Alex Green to the end zone. Put it on the board from 45 yards out. First and 10, flips his on Alex Green. They beat it with a three-point play for Rowe. That is a Green Bay touchdown. He crossed it. He was in the end zone. Alex Green has his second touchdown tonight for the Packers. Welcome to our Guest Friday segment. Tonight we have a former NFL and CFL running back, Alex Green, joining us. Alex, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Can't complain. Long week, but happy Friday. I appreciate yes, your yes. time, and, and thank you for joining us on the show. Absolutely, man. Pleasure to have you on. Alex, if you can tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'll just go to the beginning. You know, uh, from Portland, you know, born and raised, Northeast Portland, Uh for those who do know, those who are tuning in from back home, you know, shout out Benson High School. You know, we wasn't very good in football, but shout out Benson, you know. But, uh, yeah, man, after that, went to uh, Butte College. Um, you know, ended up playing out there for two years. Got a uh, national championship in 08. Uh, went undefeated 12-0, uh, beating Mount Sack in the final, round, final rounds. But uh, got a championship out of there, uh, you know, that was good enough to get a scholarship to go out to Hawaii. You know, played in Hawaii for – for two years, man, the best two years of my life. I love the island. Shout out Hawaii. Shout out all the alumni, you know. But we ended up getting a, a – we tiered a conference championship with uh, Nevada, which was also the same team that Colin Kaepernick played on. And uh, we ended up beating them. So we shared the conference championship with them, which is huge for our program. You know, you're not a big – you know, like them guys was ranked, I think, at the time, 19. And for Hawaii to be ranked, you know, it got to be – you know, it's a big deal to be ranked 25, top 25 from Hawaii, you know. And so – yeah, man, so it was huge for us to get that win, and uh, we ended up going, you know, conference champion. So, shout out Hawaii and my teammates, man. That was some good times. But, uh, you know, I ended up going to Green Bay Packers third round. You know, I got hurt rookie year, week six in Minnesota uh, on the kickoff. And, uh, you know, just blocking, man, and, you know, got ran into. So, ACL was torn out for the season. Um, came back seven months out of surgery. Um, ended up starting my 2012 season. Uh, starting running back Green Bay Packers. I ended up finishing with 400 yards, 400 plus yards. Uh, let the team rushing, which is big for me. And uh, you know, off an of injury, and I ended up, uh, I ended up playing in 2013 in camp, and you know, they sent me to uh, to New York, man, where I played for the Jets, uh, for a year in the camp, and you know, I enjoyed my time there. It was fun. Rex Ryan was. You know, just as much of a character as he is now, commentating as he is coaching, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, man, so ended up playing there and, uh, you know, enjoyed my time there too. You know, it was, uh, wasn't was as successful run as Green Bay, but it was a run, and uh, I'm thankful for that. So, you know, shout out to them. And then ended up, going, ended up staying out for about a year, um, got back with family, you know, uh, got back to my roots back home and uh, ended up getting an itch again. So I went out to Canada to go play and uh, – you know, went out there and, 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 and pulled out two successful years. Um, just coming off of not doing much, you know, and kind of being done and one day changing my mind and getting back into shape and working out and really putting my mind to it and, and, you know, just doing what I love for real and kind of, you know, right into the sunset with it. So 
Um, played out there for two years. We ended up being a game short of going to the Great Cup. It was like a Super Bowl for uh, you know, for the NFL, but it was a game short from that. But I had a great season. Man. I played. I ended up breaking my hand the first preseason game that I played in and sat out six weeks and came back. And, you know, I had 800 yards rushing with like 15, 16 touchdowns. You know, I had a great season, you know, only playing half the season. So, for me, that was just, you know, that was my game winning shot. I can walk off and, and, and you know, I could be okay with it. So, so that's me. So now I'm in transition mode and uh, promote the league, which, you know, anybody know how any transition is. It's a battle, you know, but, you know, it's a fun one because it's unknown. And sometimes unknown is just give you a certain thrill you can't explain. But so I'm riding that wave, man. And, uh, you know, I'm in construction now and I'm doing personal trainings. You know, that's what I like to do. I like to just give back and try to help as much as I can, especially these young ones, you know, give them some games just mentally and physically and uh, teach them the, the right ways to to go about the workouts and, you know, just about the business personally. But, um, you know, and, and doing construction and liking that and been doing that for the last uh, – I'm on month three now doing that. And so, yeah, man, you know, life is uh life is making this transition fully. And I'm just enjoying every process of it. And, uh, you know, trying to work on a program now called SASP, S-A-S-P, which is Student Athlete Success Program. And, uh, you know, just to get the athletes all together and we're all going to talk about the things that I've seen personally and, and it went through personally that hurts, you know, athletes. And, and not only athletes, but young men and women that's trying to evolve and be the best they can be in this world. There's certain things they need to know that they're not taught, especially in this area with someone's social media and nobody's really talking about the real. And so, you know, talking about that and, you know, that goes with financial literacy, you know, managing relationships, you know, impulse control. You know, time management, social media literacy, which is a huge one for me. And, you know, I mean, I've seen people that have scholarships, you know, get the scholarship taken because of what they post on social media. You know, so these kids just need some guidance, man. And so that's what we're here for. So, you know, in a nutshell, you know, that's me. That's Alex, you know, from Portland, Oregon. And, uh, you know, just riding his way we call life. Yes, that's real good, Alex. Um, <clears throat> You was picking the third round of 2011 draft and you out, out of Hawaii, right? And I'll, I'll just, I just absolutely yes. I, I just want to ask you what not. Do you feel that you was picked in the in the in the spot there? Do you think there's a great spot for you, or do you feel you should have went higher in the first or the second round? I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, for me, I was told you know, I'm I, I might go to the NFL. I might get a shot in camp. You know, they might call me. I might get a workout. You know, the season start going on my senior year in Hawaii, and I was oh, you know, well, yeah, you. I mean, you know, you might get a you might you might get a shot in camp. Season going a little bit more, start having you know three hundred plus yard games, you know, and and now they're talking, oh, you might go six, seven round to to free agent pickup, you know, and then by the time I got to the combine, I ran decent at the combine. Uh, I played in the East West Shrine game. Um, I got into a, 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 a bigger spotlight, you know, a bigger national spotlight, you know, that was the turning point, and and for me, I remember looking at the day before camp. I remember looking in uh or day before draft. I remember looking and it said, you know, third round or higher. And that was the first time. And that was about four hours before actual draft. And so I didn't really expect to go third round, but I knew my stock was rising. But, you know, Green Bay took me earlier than I suspected. So, yeah, I was surprised. You know, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I was actually at home with my homeboys chilling watching the draft. I was, it was the last two picks of the draft. <laughs> right. So I was turning the TV, you know, so I was turning the TV off. I was getting ready to, you know, I was getting ready to uh, go home and, you know, and, and, and go lay it down. It was getting late and get ready for the next day. And I actually have family planned to come to my house the next day, um, you know, because I might get drafted in the fourth round or above, but day three, 
you know. So yeah, man, they they uh they drafted me those last two rounds. Green Bay got me in a uh, ninety six pick, and you know the rest was history. Yes, yes, that's real good there. And do you feel that? Do you feel um your last year in the, in the league was with the Jets in twenty thirteen? So do you, in terms of do you feel you left? You could have. You, you wish you you could have more opportunities. or wish you could have done more with the opportunities you had while you was in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's the part that that that's why I went back to Canada. You know, if I'm if I'm being because you always feel like you can do more, even if you do good or do great. You always feel like oh, I left a little on the table, but 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 I went with the Jets, man. I was just in a different mindset. We were losing, you know. I was behind all pro running back, you know, good friend of mine, Chris Ivory. I was behind all who should have been an all pro running back if he had the personality of a of a Mike uh of a uh you know a Mike Smith or a Cam Newton, you know, but he just a quiet, humble dude and get overlooked, but he a hell of a running back. But you know, I was behind a couple guys, man, who can play, you know, and I was coming off from Green Bay, you know, I still had the ACL thing. That was a you know, word around town and I just wasn't mentally you know, obviously everybody say if I can go back, I'll do, of course. But, you know, if I could go back, yeah, I I, I might have taken it a little more serious, you know, and I might have been a little more disciplined in my business, Correct. you know, and not let the outside uh, world, quote unquote, things distract me. Yes, real good. Thank you. Alex, so I have I have a couple questions myself. Uh, one of them would be, well, the first one would be, can you just explain to our audience your most memorable time playing in the NFL? My most memorable time would have to be Lambeau Leap. I mean, I scored a touchdown and, you know, I mean, first, let me, if I, if I can go back, when you walk into the field, out the tunnel, through the tunnel, you can feel the history in the field, in the stadium. Wow. You know, you can feel it, you know, and I don't know, I'll be honest, when, when Green Bay first uh, called me to draft me. I didn't really know what Green Bay was. I knew the <laughs> team because okay, the NFL is that it's that yellow team. But you know, like where is this? You know, I had to go on Google after I got the phone with the owner Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy at the time head coach. I had to look on Google and figure out where Green Bay was. I find out it was in Wisconsin and by Detroit, Chicago. You know, in the Midwest. And so, um, yeah, man, it was uh, it was uh. I mean, it's hard to explain, but like you can just feel the history coming through the field, and and you know to Lambo Leap and such a historic place, man, and to feel the love from the fans and your teammates, and you know, like I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment. That just sounds so mystical. It just sounds so amazing, right? And that's the love of of the game, right? Absolutely. And all the history, all the history behind it, especially <laughs> Green Bay. Uh, my second question is, you know, I, I've seen that, you know, you know, just keep catching up with you and, and keeping up with you. You know, I, I do see that you, you maintain a, a great physique, uh, which is, you know, I understand it, it's a part of the discipline process during the offseason for any pro athlete. But um, my question to you would be more tailored, you know, with, with the news that you've seen with, that we've seen recently. And, you know, of course, we don't really like to we don't really like to post, you know, negativity, but. You know, we, we saw some young players, you know, some very promising players, you know, one of them playing there for Seattle and the other one was a first round pick playing for the Giants. You know, I understand with this whole, you know, this this situation kind of hits everybody differently and we all react to it differently. 
However, you know, it's not like every every off season it's quiet. So my question would be more, you know, do you think that there's something that the NFL could do to kind of help, you know, players during the off season to make sure that they're on track, you know, that to, to stay on track? You know, I don't I don't know. Do you, what do you think? Um so there's so every rookie go through um like a series of classes that try to educate you on what to expect on the outside, right? And that's from saying no to family. That's from, uh, you know, peer pressure. It's, it's going back to all those things because now you're in a different world. Now you're part of the 1%, you know, where it's like only you guys are in this bubble and so it's a union. You know, that shield, you know, even though with the controversy between the NFL and the players and the NFL player engagement and et cetera, et cetera, but there's still a union and the guys stick together and they protect that shield. And so there's things that the NFL do to try to help, but I don't think they understand the severity of what's really going on with these athletes when they step outside the stadium. And it like it's real, you know, and it, and it's, it's not as simple as oh, say no to drugs, sitting on a peer pressure. Don't like when you're getting told that when you're 13 years old. This is a totally different ball game now. You're grown, you're adults. People really need help. People really need things. And when you're the person that's in that position, and if you don't know how to handle that, coming from a person who's been asking or getting a handout, you know, if you're not handling correctly, it can ruin relationships, man, that you built like forever. You know, and just from saying no or just from not a callback, just from not, you know, showing up to a meeting on time, like it can ruin relationships with people that means the world to you. And I think the problem is with the NFL is that they just don't understand how much these players, you know, they, they really got to deal with this with no education. And so if they can do anything different, it might be maybe more classes for the veterans. You know, because, yeah, they gave us game for the rookies to how to deal with it, but it's like, okay, after I say it, then what? You told us how to say it. Okay, cool. We got that part down. Now after we say it, now how do I deal with my best friend acting funny towards me? How do I deal with my family member who I would take a bullet for, not talk to me no more because they feel like now I'm acting brand new. Now, oh, now, now I'm too good for everybody. Oh, you don't forget where you came from. You know what I mean? And so that come a lot of pressure, man, and with, you know – you in the house now, so you can't go work out and get your steam up. I'm not vouching for any domestic violence, but you're in the household with all these stresses bothering you, and who do you take it out on? You can't take it out on your teammate because he's not around no more. You can't take it out on, you know, the opponent. You don't have no games. You're in the offseason. You're at home. You know, and so you take that anger out on the person who's closest to you. That's probably your spouse. And so that's why you see a lot of these cases, man, with the guy in Seattle and you know, the guys who come up with these young guys, man, and, it's, and it's, if I can give any game out to any young guys out there listening, football or not, is this. Think before you act. And I'll keep it as simple as that. I'll keep it as simple as that. And we all heard it a thousand times, but sometimes they hit the brain different and hearing it from different people. And I tell myself that all the time. Think before you act. That's it. Because at the end of the day, what you've done is done and you can't get it back. And so the best thing to do, you already got thrown in that water. Now you gotta learn how to swim. You can't think, oh man, why I get thrown in this water? Why you push me? Like there's no time for that. Now you have to figure out how to swim the fastest way. Now you're already in the water. And so if I can give anybody advice, man, it's just that and, and, and keep it going, man. And don't let the outside, 
world and things get to you because it's real. And so I think the NFL man could do a better job of getting veterans the game on how to deal with it once they took the steps to say the no's or to, you know, maybe just kind of be, you know, be in a position to be able to be themselves without having to feel like, okay, if I don't answer this phone, then I'm acting brand new. You know, but I want to spend time with my family, but I got to make sure everybody still give me that love and respect me so I don't make nobody feel that way. It shouldn't be like that, you know. So, and it's, and it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know, like we all do it, but it just I think they can just do a better job of just helping the veterans out of what to do once the action has been done. I think that's well said. I mean, we, we, we hear it all the time from, you know, executives, you know, and even 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 top right player personnel that are in in the media right now. Right. Uh, most notable, somebody like Lewis Riddick. Right. Who 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 tries to give advice, but it almost feels like a like like an insult. Right. And and that's and I think the way you explained it, I think it's great to hear it from from an actual player's mind, uh, point of view. Right. So I think that I think that definitely, you know, I think that the NFL should definitely do something, you know, and involve the players more, a little bit more, and and bring them in. They don't. I'm not talking about babysitting. I'm just like what you said. I, I just think that there's there's different ways, right, to bring out the better in that person. Because like what you said, sometimes there's a lot of off time. This this off season is a little bit more off time than others, right? So I understand this this year has been a little bit different than others, but it's just it's just unfortunate when you see, you know. A good story and then sometimes it ends kind of early before it even started you know Alex first question I want to ask you how is Aaron Rodgers as a teammate yeah I mean A-Rod man A-Rod was arrogant you know and I think I, I think a lot of quarterbacks of his caliber and will accomplish what he has um you got to kind of have a certain swag to you, slash arrogance, you know, to kind of get the respect of a team. And, 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 and because you, the way you are is how you want your team character to be. And every time you got a team, it's about, okay, what's their character? How do they respond? And so if you got a chip on your shoulder, then you're hoping your team will follow that lead and have a chip on their shoulder too. But it's not good when you got to walk on eggshells. It's not good when you're thinking about, oh, if I mess up, you know, he's going to, He's going to be in a bad mood now. And if he's in a bad mood, then the whole team's in a bad mood because he's the leader. And so just having that pressure on your team, I don't – like, it's just not a good – it's not a – like, it's an, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling, you know, because you want an athlete, man. If I'm recruiting, I want an athlete that's relaxed, stress-free. Man, I was the best when I was in Canada because it wasn't as much politics. You know, I mean, obviously it's not a multi-billion dollar business like – the NFL, but, you know, it, like nobody's stressed out. You know, one, it being Canada, shout out to Canada, but then two, it being like, you know, like it's cool. Like if you jump a pass in, in, this, in you know, in practice, you don't got to worry about your name being off your locker by the time you get done eating lunch and going to your locker to go to a meeting. You know, in the NFL, you do. Like you never know, you know, and it's just that cutthroat. And just some people, like a lot of people don't respond to that pressure well. Especially when it's your teammates. Okay, we can all deal with it if we all together, and we going against the coaches or the owners or the fans or the GMs or the naysays. That's cool because I got my team with me. But when your team feels like that or your your leader feels like that, you know it's hard to feel a part of and it's hard to be bought into. You know, quote unquote, the system of what you know your team character trying to be, and it just don't it just don't mesh well. And for me, 
you know, it wasn't a good fit. I'm a team player. Like, you know, I like to be – I like to feel accountable with my own teammates. And I like to feel like, you know, at the end of the day, you got my back. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. And so I want to be able to trust my teammate. And that's when you give it your all for somebody. You'll take a, a big block. You know, you'll break an extra tackle. You'll give a, you know, a hell of an effort for somebody who you're playing for that you love. You know, and that you respect and that you care about and that you want to see win also. You know, so I think that's a, you know, a, a, a issue that I've found to be, you know, with me and A-Rod and, uh, you know, something that I just didn't mesh well with. Some guys did. You know, a lot of guys didn't. And I was one of the guys that didn't. Who was your favorite teammate while you were in the NFL? Man, I got to give that one, even though shout out to Devon Harris again, but I got to give that one to Chris Ivory. You know, and, and, and it's really running back too because that's who you spend the most time with. You know, like you, you're going to lunch together. You're in the meeting rooms all day together, and you're going through the same drills. So you understand, you know, what the next person going through. So you kind of you kind of respect them more because they went through what you went through, you know. And so, but for me, yeah, it was Chris Ivory, man. Uh he he had a uh, a presence about him that that uh complimented uh what I was trying to do good. You know, I was I, I had a vision um before I wanted to be on the field and the type of style I wanted to have. And I had a vision of how I wanted my family to be off the field and uh that's when I started taking a liking to Chris and you know, he took a liking to my personality and, and, and it complimented his personality good and uh you know Beyond the field, you know, with good teammates, but beyond the field, you know, he was just a dope person that was motivative and, and he kind of leveled me out, you know. And uh, he gave me some real advice about some some life issues I was going through at the time. And, you know, he gave me some good game on the field also. And he's just a dude who, uh, yeah, he was just one of the dope. He's just a cool teammate, man. You know, he, he uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't look at his playbook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I would help. So I would help him in meetings, but you know, but yeah, that's my dog, man. You know, we shared uh, a certain kind of struggle that only few relate that, to. That's, you know, so shout that's, out to him. Hey, that's awesome, and you know what? And I do have another question, actually. How was it being coached by Mike McCarthy and then also Rex Ryan when uh, you were with the Jets? Man, it was night and day. Like McCarthy was like. You know, he grew up in a military background. His dad was super strict. And so he came out. He was super strict. And he was disciplined. And he taught being sound. And you don't you don't make mistakes. And you be perfect. And you strive for perfection. And, you you know, you do it the right way. You want time. You eat at a certain time. You go to bed at a certain time. And you do it this way. And you go to church on Sunday. He was perfect, right? He was a perfect uh, role model of how to do things on a detailed level. He was disciplined about everything, you know, even in our practice. Like, everything was on the schedule and everything was to a T, you know. And they used to say, you know, they say, yeah, guys in the Army, they'll say it's 230 minutes to the left and 200, I think about 240, 41 to the right. And he said, which one is it, 40 or 41? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get it, like, 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 which one is it? You know, get it to a T. And so, uh, when I and for me, that was just different, man. Like, you know, I'm a running back. You know, I was in Hawaii. I was in JUCO, junior college. You know, I wasn't free, but I was doing my thing at a JUCO level, so to say. You know, shout out to JUCO, Butte College, always state champions. But and then in Hawaii, I was kind of free because it was a a, a passing offense. So when I got the ball, it's like it's a draw, it's a screen, it's an outside zone. Just do your thing and make people miss and have fun. You know, no real responsibility. Like just go be an athlete. Um, when I got to Green Bay, it was no. When we say ninety five, when we say outside zone, ninety six zone, you know. You take your three your, your three steps, you get the ball. On your fifth step, you make a move. 
Either you're going to keep it on your path or you're going to cut it up straight or you're going to cut it all the way back. You got those three options. But make a decision by your fifth step. Now, six, I don't care if you want a 98-yard touchdown. If you took six steps, you're not going to play that next game. I mean, 96 yards, you're going to play. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you take your – be precise in your steps. Get the ball on your third step, on your fifth step. Make a decision. So it was that way with everything. With everything. It didn't matter. Like, and so it was just real robotic, you know, and I just didn't – that's not my style. I'm not a robot. Like, let me make somebody miss based on what they do. If I see the whole backside early, I'm taking my three steps, getting the ball, and I'm cutting it back early. I don't want to take two extra steps. And if you don't, you know, it's – you know, it can cost you uh your position or, or reps in practice, which, you know, turns into reps in games, which turns into on the bench. So – you know, McCarthy was real strict. I get to the Jets, and, you know, shout out to Geno Smith. You know, he throwing six picks in practice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah, keeping man. it real. Hey, that's and, what we want on the East-West, man. East-West football. I mean. That's what we want. Keep it real. And we go into the game, and he throwing six <laughs> picks in the game. Oh, yeah. man. And it's like, Rex, like, you, you giving him a pat in the butt. Like, oh, you're getting the game, kid. No, he won't. Let's get it in practice. Let's get it in practice. He's not going to get it in the game, man. But, see, I, but that's why they brought me over there also, because I had a winning, you know, background. It was, uh, I think, John Isaac was a new GM, and he wanted to bring people who knew how to win, knew how to practice, you know. And once you, and, and it's it just, it just a different – because you got your GMs who recruit, too, or who uh, scout, too. And so they bring in certain – type of caliber players and men and so when you get you know green Bay is men who come from these humbling beginnings and they work hard and they nitty and gritty but they do things and they're really in trouble and not in the streets like that everybody cool you know it's all good you get to the judge you got people from everywhere i mean you gotta do i i only got to the judge because dude was on suspension you know and it's like you know it's like look you know at the end of the day you know you got to have a certain type of discipline to not only win the respect of your teammates, but to like keep it. Con- yeah. Yeah. Something that's like, a, like a line you can't cross. You have to keep it consistent. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, if you take your three steps, you know, and you can cut it back and you see that as a coach, I'm okay with that. I don't want you to take your five steps. If you see a cutback, if you see it, see it, but if you don't see it, then stay on your path, you know, but with the jazz, man, it was like, do what you want. And it just didn't work. You know, it was funner. You know, I mean, Rex Ryan was running down the field with us on kickoff and he would trip over his feet. You know, he was, he was, uh, you know, in training camp, he was up north. He, he getting pulled out the bar. You know, he drunk as hell on a, on a, on a practice night, you know, hanging with the college girls, you know, chilling. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he's like, you would never see McCarthy doing nothing like that. So he was just like one of the guys, man. And that's where, that's where it falls short. Like, you, like we didn't need no more guys to be cool with. We had 53-plus of them. You know what I mean? Including the ones that's waiting, that come every Tuesday to work out, who might get signed, you know? And we had we, – we needed somebody to say no, to say, all right, it's enough, don't do this. And we was like – and we respect that. We didn't really respect what he was saying. We just were one of the guys. You know, he tells us in the, media, in the team room, you know, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell the media this and this. But, man, F the media. Y'all say what you want. Do what you want. And it's like, man, we in there with our phones on, at our hands. We chilling. We got our feet up. We wearing our clothes from home. When you in Green Bay, as soon as you come into the stadium, you take your clothes off. You put their uniform on, they sweatsuit on that's hanging in your locker. You get your playbook. Put your phone away. Don't bring your phone. Don't be caught with your phone. You know, get your playbook. At that time, it was a big, thick playbook. We didn't get the uh, iPads until I was with the Jets. 
But you know, get your playbook and you walk to your to your to your meeting room and you be there ten minutes early. If you five minutes early, you late. Like it looks bad. Like everybody already in there sitting down, <laughs> quiet as hell, with their pen in their hand. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, man, that ain't my vibe. You know, the Jets was more of my vibe, but with McCarthy as a coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just as a you know, but like because you know, Rex had his coaching staff too that was like laid back. You know, we just needed that one person that said no. And everybody else could be cool. That's what, you know, because they're all position coaches, so they kind of like us anyway. We all listen to the head man, you know. But over there, it's like, nah, everybody, you know, which is good because, I mean, they win it, so obviously it works, which shows you that discipline is key. But, yeah, man, we're just night and day, man, you know, just literally night and day, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, also, I mean, um, when the Cowboys signed Mike McCarthy to be the head coach, a lot, I think a lot of Cowboys fans were surprised, right? Uh, but do you see him being a good fit with the Cowboys? I don't know. I don't know because I don't think he will mesh with uh, Ezekiel's personality, and I don't really know Dak that much. But Dak is he a black quarterback still? Like so, he gonna want to do his thing, and and Mike not really with that unless Mike, you know how some players get released and they come from another team and they, and they do way better. Maybe he might learn his lessons. He might have a different coaching staff behind him to support him. He might learn to adapt with the times. Because in Green Bay, he didn't want to adapt. However, in Green Bay, he didn't have a choice to because, you know, you got to stick with what you know in Green Bay. That's just how Green Bay is, a blue-collar town. And, you know, you do things the right way, and that's just how it is. And they, they take pride in that, you know. In, in, in Dallas, he got a little more freedom to, you know, do what all he can to win games. At this point, he just got to win games. And so he might pull out all the stops, you know, and, I mean, he's going to do it the right way, but I think he'd be a little more flexible. So it might work. I mean, he got Cobb back with him. He's going to utilize him. He had him in the backfield with us. Um, So, I mean, he's a good coach, man. He's a good coach. So as long as the guys buy into what, he, to what, he, what he's teaching and as long as the players, you know, Kind of take heed, and 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 he got to take heed to the players too, and adapt to their styles. So, I think it could work as long as both parties agree to the same term. Yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens with that, right? So, Alex, I, I want to yeah. thank you for your time for coming on the show. Uh, any final words you you want to tell our our audience? Um, yeah, man, I want to shout out East West Football Podcast, man. Yes, Y'all, sir. Uh, Y'all dope, man. You know, and uh, y'all got a good thing going. When you when you putting hard work and dedication and perseverance all on the table, man. You know, a good meal gonna come out of it. And I, I hope you guys uh, eat as much as y'all can. And yes, man, man. So, salute Thank to y'all. You. And then also too, if, it, if you can add, um, where can our fa- our fans find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me uh, on Facebook at Alexander D Green Senior. Um, you can go on Instagram and find me at. A underscore green, 15 underscore. Um, I'm on Twitter under A green underscore 20. And, uh, you know, you can also follow my fitness page at Drillie Fitness. Also on Instagram. And uh, I'm going to get pictures and videos up soon. We've been, uh, yeah, getting everything together. And be on the lookout for the SAFS program. Uh, we're going to take over the, the nation with that one. Uh, and give a game to everybody real right, man. Let's give back to everybody. And uh, try to do it the right way, man. Just try to. Uh, get back what we know and uh you know and, and hopefully change some lives out here so but yeah shout out to yeah, you. I we appreciate, appreciate you Alex Green everybody thank you so much for joining us and uh good luck to you in your and the future <laughs>
Jackson looking end zone again. Sneed's got it. Six more for the Ravens. Rudolph on first and goal. Finds McDonald. And he takes it in for a Steelers touchdown. To run for Baker Mayfield. Can he make it in? Yes, he can. Always in the end zone for a Browns touchdown. Bengals have struggled in the red zone this season, but not here. AFC North team needs addressed or not? Kendall, if you want to start off, yes. The Bengals with the number one overall pick. I mean, you you know they had to get it right. You know, you anytime you pick a number one, you you got to get it right. So you really can't go wrong there. They went, they got a quarterback, so they needed one there. It was time for them to move on for Andy Dalton. They drafted Joe Burrow, which a lot of people had him going there out from LSU. And then they came back the next day in the second round, and they and they got T. Higgins, a wide receiver. A.J. Green, he's getting up there in age. He's been a little injury-prone the past few years. So I think they solid, they solidified two pretty good needs there. And then they got, you know, Akeem, Gaither, Akeem Davis gated the linebacker, whatnot. They needed some linebacker depth. So I think they did pretty good there. And I think it definitely with their top two picks, with Higgins and Burrow, it definitely um, addressed needs there. Yeah, I think you, you, you said it very well. I mean, when you look at their, their needs, uh, right, right, it was a quarterback, guard, linebacker, and cornerback. And if you look at the offseason, they, they really did enough to fill those positions. You know, they brought in, you know, players like Trey Wayans, Von Bell, Xavier Suofila, uh, McGinsey, uh Alexander, right? So when you look at it, you know, it, it gives them that leverage to be able to build on the future. And Joe Burrow was the right decision at, at, with this draft. And then you come around, you pair him up with T. Higgins um, overall. But when you when you actually start checking checking off everything, I mean, overall, that was it a wow? It wasn't a wow, but they did meet their needs. You know, overall, let's just see if Joe Burrow can translate what he did in LSU at the pro level, right? And I, I do think that, you know, with that second pick, I, as much as T. Higgins was enticing, it would have been good to solidify his left tackle position. Hey, but it doesn't matter. Overall, they did meet their expectations. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team right away. I know they're going to go. They're going to have their bumps along the way, but overall, they did. Yeah, Joe Burrow, franchise quarterback. I mean, that's all I have to say, right? I mean, they made the best choice they, they could. So now they have a franchise quarterback. So they have to surround this young man with talent. Yes, they do, man. They got to move along to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, oh. This right here, this is the black and blue division. The Steelers, they've been they've been kind of down the past couple of years, but you know, Big Ben got hurt. But I think on um, with their first with their first pick this year, where they didn't have a first rounder because they gave it up for um Mika Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. But with it within the second round, they got Chase Claypool, the big wide receiver slash tight end. Some people got him as a tight end at Notre Dame. I think he's he's probably the steal of the draft at the wide receiver position. They got they got great players. And they, they haven't really replaced Antonio Brown. I'm not saying Claypool is going to replace him, but they need some more wide receiver there. And then they got Anthony McFarland Jr., the, um, the running back at a Maryland, at a, the University of Maryland. He is explosive. As, he reminds me of Chris Johnson, the former of the Tennessee Titans. I think they got a steal there with Anthony McFarland. He's one of my under-radar running backs coming out this year. So I think, then, you know, James Conner, he's been injury-prone injury the past couple of years. And I'm, I've never haven't been a big fan of, of James Conner. But I think um, Anthony McFarland, I think he's definitely going to take a lot of snouts from um, from Connor this year. So I think they addressed two pretty good needs there. I mean, when you look at it, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna say they met their 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 needs. When you look at it, it was edge right and quarterback, linebacker, and tight end. When you look at it, 
what's the most important position on the team? Quarterback. When Big Ben went down, they struggled. They really, really struggled. And I understand they got they got in the offseason they signed Eric Ebron. Uh, they were able to get some offensive line with Steph, uh, Steven uh, with with Musky, right? Yep. When you look when you look at the big picture overall, you know it's it's good when you're able to draft right and and draft players for for the following years because from the reports that we've been reading and all the research we've been doing, it looks like they're not going to bring back James Conner or Juju Smith Schuster. So. You know, it made sense when you when you see Chase Claypool and McFarland being drafted. You know, Anthony McFarland was on our late round gems that we picked that we said. You know, when it, he's just a big play waiting to happen. So overall, maybe maybe the Steelers see a quarterback in next year's draft that they want to target, and you know they don't want to be issuing out these big old contracts to running back or to wide receiver. So. You know, overall, I, I I don't agree with the with the process that they went through during the offseason draft. So I I think as long as Big Ben is healthy, they will be competitive. But if he goes down, I think the whole ship goes down. Yeah, and I mean the biggest need that they have that I felt you know co- going into the offseason was the the backup quarterback position or even the quarterback of the future. Right? I'm just gonna run through the step chart and you tell me if you hear a quarterback that's gonna be you know the franchise quarterback for that team. So, Ben Roethlisberger, Devin Hodges, Mason Rudolph, Paxton Lynch. Do you guys hear a backup quarterback or, or a future franchise quarterback for the Steelers? No, absolutely no. No, no it's a joke. And, I, and I'm not too sure why they did not address the need. Um, Big Ben only has probably a year or two left in him. Uh, we'll see how he plays. Uh, you know, he was, most, he was out most of the year last year. And they just struggled, man. If they if they had a better backup quarterback, they probably would have made the playoffs, right? Um, right. And as far as the biggest acquisition that they did last year was a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, man. And he was he was a badass for them, right? I mean, shoot, I mean, the second half of the year, I, I felt like he was the best defensive player in the NFL. Yes, he played lights out. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, uh, needs addressed. Definitely not. They did not address the, the biggest need on that team, which was quarterback. And for whatever reason, they they didn't do it. So we're just going to have to see how it plays out with these guys on here. Um, definitely don't see a franchise quarterback on this uh, <laughs> on this depth chart besides Ben Roethlisberger. So. Yeah, moving along, we got the Browns, right? When you look at the Browns, last year it was their year. You know, they had – you know, they brought in the big names – you know, they had everything in peace. You know, they even brought in OBJ, which, you know, re uh, it just revamped that whole that whole entire right Cleveland, right? It just brought back it brought back football back to life for them. But when you when you look at it, their their top needs were offensive tackle, linebacker, safety, and guard. Now, what they were able to do during the offseason, they were actually able to check mark all those, right? So and they changed their coaching staff around. Now they they brought in Kevin uh, Stefanski right out of uh, Minnesota Vikings. After you see what the Vikings were able to do with that potent running game, I think that they they already knew. Okay, we need to address the offensive line, and they did that right during the offseason. They they signed uh, Cochran from the Tennessee Titans. You know they also brought in uh, Austin Hooper, the tight end from the uh, the Falcons. And uh, you know when you look at it, they were actually able to fill in depth pieces here and there. You know, they brought in Carl Joseph. Just These are just some names to, to fill in, you know. So it, it helps them when they are able to address, you know, going into the draft. And when you go into the draft, 
overall, I mean, you look at their draft. I mean, they, they got Jedrick Wills, right? Grant Delpit, uh, Jordan Elliott. They, they filled the Jacob Phillips, the, the linebacker position. Um, you know, they even got Kendall's favorite tight end, Harrison Bryant, right? Yes. And and then they even they even drafted Donovan Peoples Jones. So when you look at it, they did meet their needs. The only thing that 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 you got to look at it when you look at the Browns is it's going to be how disciplined can Baker Mayfield be when he's out there because he has the coaching staff in place, right, to get the running game going, and he has the wide receivers in place. He has he has all the weapons he needs. So it's gonna, it's gonna. This team will go as far as Baker Mayfield can take them. Yes, I agree there. I think on they address their needs, especially with the Jedrick Willis pick. I love that pick there. I mean, they address like like Jerry said, they address a lot of their needs during free agency. With, with they got they got the tackle Conklin out of Tennessee. Then, then they drafted some um, when they signed some players from free agency or whatnot. I love the Harrison Bryant pick. I mean, they if they got they they're deep there at tight end with Njoku, and then they got Hooper and Harrison Bryant, so they're deep there. They got some weapons for Baker. They got Don from Peoples Jones. So I, and then I like the Grant Delpit pick. They add some depth in that secondary. He's a young guy. They love these LSU um secondary players. So I think they definitely they definitely did or they did pretty good in this draft addressing some needs that they had. Yes, I'm going to have to agree and say that the Browns did address their needs. They did a great job with the draft. Uh, they got Austin Hooper from the Falcons in free agency. So the only question mark that's on the team is how Baker Mayfield plays. Uh, these last couple years, he has he's had some moments where he's struggled. Um, he seems like he's frustrated. He's trying to force things. So I think this year is going to be very crucial for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore Ravens. Wow, man, they had a spectacular season. I mean, overall, it just shows you, right, great team building during the offseason and during free agency uh, and through the draft, right? But I will tell you this, and, and I want to give the Baltimore Ravens credit where credit is due, right? I mean, forever forever that we've known the Ravens in, in this last decade, right, they've always done a great job finding value, especially in the later part of the draft, Right. They've, they've been able to hit home runs. Now, I'm not going to say they hit home runs every time because they've missed out, right? Uh, I, I think some a handful of names were like Matt Elam and and, and Matt Elam and uh, and what was that that wide receiver's name? Oh, man, uh, he just he just slipped my mind right now. Doing uh, but anyways, out of Texas. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's who they drafted this year. But I'm saying they drafted a wide receiver in the first round that didn't pan out. But it's it's okay. Going back to going back on subject, right? When you look at this, when you look at their offseason, they were actually able their their needs were linebacker, corner, guard, and wide receiver, right? Those were their top needs. When you look at what they did during the offseason, you know they were able to bring in some. They were able to revamp that defensive line. They brought in Derek Wolf, Kellyus Campbell. You know they actually brought in they re-signed Jimmy Smith, their own their own corner. You know, but when you look at their draft, the draft was like a wow. You know they they brought in Patrick Queen, right? And he he really lit it up towards the you know pretty much the the entire season and when it counted the most and then they came around they, they drafted a, a running back in J.K. Dobbins which you know just shows you you know I know Mark Ingram he he did a pretty he did a pretty good job last year but you need a running back that can be a successor to Mark Ingram and and J.K. Dobbins has that star that star power potential too and then you can, you see him. That Justin uh, Matabuke from uh, Texas A&M, Devin Duvernay, right out of Texas, the wide receiver that, that Kendall just referred to. Then they get Malik Harrison. I mean, just 
the, the name goes on and on. James Prochet, uh, which is another uh, another of Kendall's uh, sleeper picks, and then Geno Stone, which you know we, we we talked about him being a sleeper at the safety position. When you look at it, the Ravens absolutely did meet their their needs, and they they stuck true to their identity, right? Defense and to the running game. So I think that next year you gotta you gotta watch out with the Ravens. That that defense is revamped. The offense is going to be a little bit more fun, right? With with the the additions that they did, what they brought in with in wide receiver and with the running back as well. So I think that next year they're going to be right up there with the Kansas City Chiefs. So yes, they actually that they, they actually met every single meet, uh, every every single need, and they killed it this offseason. Yes, I think the Baltimore Ravens had a pretty good draft. I like you didn't you didn't want it that you didn't really mention is the Malik Harrison. He was my steal. I loved him as linebacker out of Ohio State. He flies around the ball. He's he, he's he's around every he's around every carry. I mean, you're not you're not getting nowhere past him. I love that pick. They got Patrick Queen there. The the Ravens they've been known for drafting pretty good linebackers. I mean, just dating back to Ray Lewis. Then they had C.J. Mosley and whatnot. So I think they definitely addressed need just that need. I love the J.K. Dobbins pick. And I love my wide receivers, and you know I, I got to give a little shout out to Devin Dunavey. They was a pretty good, he's a pretty good receiver at, from Texas and whatnot. So I think they definitely addressed some needs. That they got some depth players and some players that I mean, they I think they I think the Ravens had like the best draft. So I'm gonna give them a, a plus. They definitely addressed needs. All right, guys. Any final thoughts before we get off the air? Um, yes, man. Like I said, special shout out to um Alex Green. We had a real good show today. He came on, gave us some great insight on some things he's doing after football. And some things he was doing, he was doing during the game while he's with his teams in the NFL and the CFL. So I mean, real good. Alex Green coming on, just taking time of his day to join us today on the podcast. Yeah, wow, right? What a show! Thank you so much, Alex. We wish you the best in your future endeavors, and thank you, thank you for coming on. All right, that's going to go and wrap it up for the East West Football Podcast again. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's his dad. No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.